Welcome to the STL Soccer Report. We are brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Thanks for joining us for an MLS expansion special. Um, yeah, I say it in here. I have uh, Evan Ream joining me here in a minute, uh, and he's going to talk about Sacramento. He wrote an awesome article that I, I suggest you check out at davisenterprise.com, uh, talking about the um, the Sacramento point of view. And so I'm going to talk to him all about that. And, um, you know, he's <laughs> he's very real. He doesn't hold back that uh, that Sacramento is kind of looked over in a lot of ways. And, and he maybe even brings a little bit of attention to, you know, countrywide St. Louis is not as overlooked as maybe we all think. So that's a good one to, to listen to if you're just curious about how Sacramento folks feel about the expansion, maybe even how MLS might look at Sacramento versus St. Louis and, and even a little bit versus Phoenix. We'll just see how all this pans out and the conversation doesn't hurt. Uh, the buzz doesn't hurt our knowledge of the situation at all. And so uh, I hope you look forward to that. That's a little bit later on the show. But first, um, I did go to the first day of training. As usual, I talked to Jeremy Allenbaugh. He was on the the last episode, the GM. And uh, if you're just joining us, if you haven't listened to the show before, um, that last episode is posted. And so Jeremy talks about this upcoming year a little bit. And I also talked to our current goalkeeper, Tomas Gomez, about his crazy season last year some ups and some a lot of downs that he had to deal with and um also Joey Calistri who got moved to Phoenix Rising and um yeah he had really interesting stuff to say as well so check that one out if you want to hear any of that stuff but on this one I also talked to uh Bill McDermott on the first day of training so we talk a little bit about the team this year um the USL squad but I also talked to him a little bit about MLS um because he he brings the old school point of view the history, and, and we, we definitely cover all of that. So enjoy that. It's about seven minutes long, and then we go right into uh, me and Evan Ream talking about MLS expansion in Sacramento and St. Louis. All right, we got Mr. Soccer, Mr. Uh, Bill McDermott here. Uh, first day of training camp for St. Louis FC. And a little cold, but not bad if you're going to be active. Well, not too bad, especially according to what is going to happen on Wednesday when it's going to be <laughs> 7. I think the team may go indoors. I don't know. It's not finalized. But uh, good intensity, very first day, buzzing around. Uh, but as Ant and I just uh, talked, if you're not buzzing around on the first day after spending three months off, well, <laughs> we're going to have an examination here. Yeah. But I think it's a... Uh, it's a totally new look to the team with one huge exception. A lot of players left over from last year, which has never happened in the past. Yeah, that's what I'm most excited about, honestly. But um, that's what I'm most excited about, too. But is there, uh, you mentioned a new look. Um, what, what do you mean by that? Well, the new players coming in, Gaia mm-hmm. Ben, Joaquin Rivas, uh, Parrish G, mm-hmm. a lot of new young players. And if you look at the overall squad itself, you look at them as they're lined up, for the first day of training on a sideline, doing movements and patterns and training. Uh, it's a young man's game. Oh, yeah. It is a young man's game. And uh, this league, as Ant said uh, last week in the uh, town hall meeting, when you look at it on a consistent basis, consistently it gets better every year. So consequently, you have to up your game every year because there are no 
easy games ever. Mm. And in this league, everybody's trying to get to the next level. And they're going to try to prove it with their day-to-day play in USL. Yeah, and the East is looking more and more mm-hmm. dangerous with some of the pickups some of these teams are getting. Yes. Um, but you mentioned these guys buzzing around on the first day. Um, it looks like Ant's going to work these guys in the press. I saw a, tr- a pressing drill that looked pretty intense. So. Uh, from the very outset for first day, yeah, very much so. Right. And one of, one of his key credos is press, repress, press, repress. So what does that uh, mean? Yeah, You lose it, get it back as quickly as possible. Up, up as high as possible on the field. If you lose it up in the penalty area of the other team, get it back in the penalty area, or at least make them play coming out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, let's talk about MLS quickly. I don't want to take up too much. No, that's all right. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, let's. a lot of us are St. Louis FC fans. Here. Mm, We've been positively. fans for years, and they're going to, you know, they're mentioning how they're going to build an MLS team out of this team mm-hmm. if it works out mm-hmm. the way we hope right so mm-hmm. well, let's talk about that what, what do we how is that going to happen well you're looking right now i think the league uh, has wanted to make three big announcements uh this particular offseason that is number one the columbus crew staying put mm. number two austin fc getting a new team and number three the announcement of team 28 mm. who that's going to be right now we don't know because the league is playing it very close to the vest as they always have done during this expansion craze. So we don't have a distinct feel. But I think uh, the three main contenders are obviously St. Louis, Phoenix, and Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And everyone says, oh, my word, Sacramento now. They've grown to the top of the list because they've added this person, that person, whatever. I say, forget that notion. Everyone's level now. If you're looking at the three options, the three ingredients that the league has always stated are mandatory, mm-hmm. mandatory, to get an expansion team, solid ownership group, uh, stadium plan, wherewithal to build it in your city, and existing soccer culture. That number thir- three, that third point, that's where St. Louis really outdoes everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sacramento has a soccer culture of sorts with their indoor teams. Uh, they won the USL championship in 2014, but it doesn't go back extremely, doesn't go back much further than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phoenix has no soccer, existing soccer culture to, to speak of other than their Phoenix team in USL and the Ivorian Dieter drop off course. <laughs> uh, but when it gets down to the, the three main ingredients, I think St. Louis still is the the prime candidate for one reason and one reason only. Any degree of popularity that the sport enjoys in our country today is directly responsible to what St. Louis started in 1875. Yeah, yeah, which it, we love hearing that from you. All the, uh, you're very familiar with all of the, the history here, and, and that's a huge part of it. But, um, you know, Sacramento history is almost more recent for sure. Precisely, yes. For Cincinnati, they were the top attendance, you know, in USL, so that was the, a big deal. They were in 2015. They were the odds-on favorite yeah. to get the new expansion team. Crazy? As a matter of fact, Don Garber, the commissioner, said it's not a question of if, but only when We've Sacramento before, gets a Yes, we, indeed we have. <laughs> We've heard that about various and assorted teams. Yeah. Uh, but you really don't get a feel for it. I have to repeat this. You really don't get a feel for it because the league plays it so closely to the yeah. vest. Uh, there's no, But let's put it this way. If Team 28 is going to begin play in spring of 2022, you have to get a feel pretty soon yeah. for what's going to transpire here and who indeed is going to be Team 28. It takes two years. The Columbus Crew built Columbus Crew Soccer Stadium in nine months. Mm-hmm. Those days are over. Gone, That's yeah. not going to happen. Uh, it takes you two years for all intents and purposes mm-hmm. to build a, uh, a feasible stadium that accommodates the masses and is uh, match fit to 
uh, link up with all the other existing venues in MLS. Yeah, very good point. Uh, the last thing I kind of want to mention on that was that, you know, there has been a sense that the ownership has put a little bit of pressure on MLS even, saying we're going to be ready right now. Yes. Now is the year. We may not try this again. Because look at our history. We've had too many bad errant tries, and we're sick of it. Do you think... That's something they can put a lot of pressure on MLS. Does that even work? Um, uh, you know, I don't know if it does or not. I know. Because it, ha- it hasn't been applied in the past. And and for all intents and purposes, as we look at it now, teams are lining up to be team number 28. So consequently, uh, but I think, uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a very powerful notion that the group in St. Louis has made the league abundantly aware of the fact that we are ready to go mm. and... This is the birthplace of the sport in our country. We just touched upon that. I'm abundantly aware of the fact that that history goes back to 1875. Some of the teams now have a much more recent, have a much more recent history, and perhaps that catches people's attention mm-hmm. when, in actuality, the basis, the foundation, the benchmark of the sport in our country, I think, should rec- should truly have been recognized. Yeah. And not just our history, but even the history of this academy. It's one. It's the best academy in USL, in my opinion. So, um, as far as independent clubs, so there's and a it, lot to pull from and, and build it, from. And another thing that, with reference to St. Louis, a lot of people lose sight of the fact that the United States didn't qualify for the World Cup uh, from 1950 to 1990. For all intents and purposes, the home venue for the United States national team in 1988-89 for home games was right here, the venue so where St. Louis FC plays. Yeah. Now, that's not... that. Okay, St. Louis automatically gets a team because they were the venue in... 19, no, I'm not that naive. I'm not that <laughs> foolish. Uh, but it's a big part of the sport, the history of the sport in our country. Mm-hmm. I agree. And we had a USA game last night with Burr Halter. You're wearing a nice USA jacket, the old school <laughs> the logo. The old vintage, the old school, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. So lastly, let's just talk about that game. I assume you watched it. How are you feeling about the I, new look? I couldn't watch it. And oh, don't sorry. tell me because I was doing family matters. Uh, our daughter just moved into a new house, so... Oh, Guess who gets elected to help? The parents. <laughs> uh, so I have it recorded. Uh, but I, I've talked with all my friends in Columbus. I used to do games in Columbus for years. Uh, and they say he's, he's the right guy for the job to build this new young team. Uh, a number one. A number one, when you're a coach of the United States national team, your A number one job is qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. Pure and simple. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Thanks for talking Thank to me. Thank you. My pleasure. Anytime. Appreciate it. All right, I've got Evan Ream on the line, and he is officially the comms guy for NorCal Premier Soccer, and um, we're going to talk about expansion today with St. Louis and Sacramento kind of, um, I don't know, most people say they're taking the lead. We're going to figure that out today, perhaps. Evan, how's it going, man? Um, It's going well. You know, I'm not really sure what's going on (laughs) against an expansion really i mean never really know right yeah so uh, but things things are going well um i've been hearing rumblings over in sacramento that something was going to happen but i did not expect it to come this soon or at this time but it's uh we'll see it's all it's all interesting um you know honestly it's going to be kind of sad if or when mls stops expanding because (laughs) uh then what like what are we gonna talk about what are we gonna we can't like uh hypothesize all these interesting markets that could be around the country right 
maybe we'll talk about that later because in a okay. way I'm I'm scared for United States soccer when MLS stops yeah. expanding. <laughs> like the carrot's gone. Will everyone stop caring? <laughs> yeah, Brian Brian Strauss once told me that the, he gets more uh, views on his articles about teams that don't exist than teams that do exist. Oh my god! So I always thought that was interesting, but it makes sense. I mean, like yeah. I, I don't like. What do I want to read about? You know, Real Salt Lake. If I could be reading about, you know, Austin FC or whoever, you know, possible expansion. That's really interesting. Yeah, people like reading about expansion, even if it's not even their own city. That's interesting. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Well, um, yeah, I think we're going to circle around back to that, but let's start from the beginning, if you don't mind. Um, let's sure. you. Okay, so first of all, you you uh, put out an article that I thought was really great and really matched something I said literally days right before you 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 put it out there. And I think what you put it on uh, DavisEnterprise.com is where you were able to post it. Yeah. So I also, I mean, I run the communications for NorCal Premier Soccer, but uh, my job that I've had for longer, and I guess probably people know me better for is just as a reporter for the Davis Enterprise. Mm -hmm. I covered Sac Republic from 2014 to 2017, and I'm still involved in the local soccer scene through my reporting, though not with Sac Republic um, for the last year. And this year I won't be covering them either. Mm -hmm. But you do still cover soccer for them just on lower levels than, than USL. Yeah. So I do a lot of high school soccer. Um, Actually Davis high girls soccer just came out with top door soccer's number one team in the country. Um, They've lost one of their last 85 games. And uh, so that's been interesting to follow. They actually have a starter for the U-17 national team and Maya Doms, who was playing at the World U-20 or sorry, U-17 World Cup. So I do, I cover them and then I also cover UC Davis and then general pros from the area actually. So I'm working on an article about Roy Boateng, who was just drafted by the New York Red Bulls from UC Davis. But, you know, I do stories on, there are a couple guys from Davis who MLS, Baba, and then add Nico Hansen. So I just do, you know. The- Very nice. Very cool. So, yeah, you've been out of the Sac Republic game. And so you, that was like the opening line of your uh, current uh, expansion <laughs> article was that, yeah, I'm writing about Sac Republic again. And uh, I was happy to see it. And uh, like I said, you, you kind of, uh, you know, put into words into an article what I was kind of saying before, which is. I think maybe Sac Republic uh, deserves it more than anyone else if anyone were to get it. And so I kind of want you to go over your article, kind of give us a primer on um, if we're not from Sacramento, if people haven't read the article, where Sacramento is coming from in MLS ex- um, expansion, because it's been a, a long, ugly road, kind of. Yeah, well, two things. First off, I noticed you used the, the word deserved. I actually Actually, uh, there was this great piece of writing that I read about Tom Watson, a golfer, winning like the British Open after some somebody choked away the lead uh, late, and the reporter asked him, "Did you did you deserve to win the British Open?" And he said, "Deserved has nothing to do with it. I shot the lowest score." <laughs> and he's right. I mean, who cares what, who deserves it? I mean, does yeah. does Austin a, t- a, a city that sort of failed in the USL, although there were. Uh, you know, other circumstances that were at play there. Obviously, I think there was a flood. Um, does Austin deserve an expansion team? Did Miami deserve, mm. deserve an expansion team? Well, it doesn't matter. It has, has um, really nothing to do with it in terms of, you know, it's really MLS is going to go um, where MLS wants to go. And, um, man, I can't even remember the second point I was going to make, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, 
Sacramento. Oh, the second point. Yeah, actually, you're the you're the one person I've ever met from outside of this area that actually pronounces Sacramento correctly. Everyone says Sacramento, but we hear oh, really? Sacramento. Yeah, the, the the T is silent. People don't know this, but you can always tell. Um, nobody says the T. It's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, um, uh, we have our own accent, but anyway, um, you know the expansion bid and where it's. I think people in Sacramento are somewhat, you know, not maybe, maybe more than somewhat, they're frustrated because essentially the whole marketing of the team going back to late 2014 was like, well, you know, support the bid for MLS. We're going to MLS. And there wasn't as much of a focus of what, as what was actually going on on the field that was always seen as sort of secondary. And, you know, I mean, uh, credit to the, powers that be at Sac Republic who really wanted to get into MLS and MLS wasn't thinking about Sacramento until Sacramento essentially blew it out of the water. I mean, hmm. up until that point, the best ever start for uh, off the field start for a lower division franchise in the country was Orlando city and Sacramento did, you know, four times the revenue of Orlando city and twice the attendance hmm. and they, you know, up in, they were the model lower division franchise until FC Cincinnati. But the problem is it's, you know, it's Sacramento. Who cares about Sacramento? I mean, have you ever been to Sacramento? I have not. No. <laughs> and w- I mean, would you go to Sac? Well, when you like, look, you're like looking up flights. Would you be like, Hey, that's Sacramento. I want to go there. No, but, but honestly, I feel like Cincinnati and Sacramento are on the same level for me personally. You know, Cincinnati's closer. So I've been there, but otherwise yeah. I'd be kind of on the same, in the same boat. And I think it's funny you bring that up because that's something I'm, I think, even though it was only a couple of years ago, people don't understand that like the excitement, the vibe in Sacramento for the Republic was just as good as Cincinnati was at first. You know, I mean, I mean they got bigger and bigger and bigger, but it was kind of the same deal, right? I would say so. And Cincinnati obviously did some incredible things, and but they spent you know, money they had that too. open cup run. Yeah, that yeah. The open cup run and they, they had good attendance numbers, but I mean, it's just, it's a geography thing, right? And at least nationally, you know, MLS wanted another team in the Midwest, which is fine. I understand it. If you look at the population distribution of this country, I think it's what two thirds of the population is east of the Mississippi or something like that. Hmm. And, and there just aren't that as many people on the West coast. And, you know, if you're sitting in an office in New York, you look at a map, it doesn't look like Sacramento's that far from San Jose and Northern California already has a team. So why does Nor- why does California need a fourth team? I mean, it makes sense if you're not from the area, you don't realize that it's 120 miles from Sacramento to San Jose and those cities could not be more different. Um, and both, you know, culturally, geographically, and, yeah. and there, there's room. Yeah. There's room for, for another team here, but you know, I, I if I were somebody not from this area looking at Sacramento I wouldn't understand it either so <laughs> well yeah but I mean you did have the buzz I do think you mentioned something good there with geographics or with ge- geography that there are three other California teams and one's only right down the road which I guess you could say about Cincinnati as well with Columbus since that you know I don't know if MLS planned on that happening either so um, but you know do you think i don't know what do you think <laughs> what do you think geography do you think it has a big a big play in it on top of maybe tv media numbers which is another thing people talk about yeah i mean 
you know, I think it's it, it's actually good for the league if they have more, you know, local like, more more games that are feasible for you know away fans to to travel to. You know, I yeah. I just looked up. I'm not. I've never been to Texas, right? I just looked up how far away Austin is from Houston and Dallas, and I said, oh, that's pretty cool because before pretty much Dallas and Houston, that's really their only road trip that they can actually go on. Mm-hmm. But you know, now that you have Austin, then you you add an extra trip well, with San Jose and and. And Sacramento, if that were to be a thing, that's one of the few trips that you can actually do in the league and be back the same night. You know, you you don't have to stay the night. You know, if you're going to, to from San Jose to L.A. or um, Sacramento to L.A., which is oddly actually about the same distance, even though San Jose is way south. Um, don't ask. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, you, you're staying for a night or two and that, you know, makes it so it's harder, harder to travel. But. Yeah, I think geography, you know, has a has a, a is a big factor. I mean, if you look at, you know, the Midwest, you know, there's there's a lot of open spots. You know, if if you added St. Louis, you're not that's not really that close. I mean, so you got Chicago over there, Minnesota, I guess, and then Kansas City, but it's still pretty mm-hmm. far away. Whereas if you're just an outsider, or if you're on the East Coast or in the Midwest, and you're looking at the West Coast, you can say, well, you already have two LA teams. You already have San Jose, and then you already have Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver, and that's that's a lot of teams on the West Coast. Mm. So, I mean, I think both geography and just the perception of Sacramento as a city uh, are definitely factors. I mean, if you're a if you're in advertising or whatever, like if you're you know Adidas or or you know mm. Continental Tires, and you're you're you, you don't care if Sacramento is or isn't in the league. You know, you're not getting. You're not going to get, or at least you're not going to think you're going to get any extra revenue by expanding to the great city of Sacramento because that's not how the city is seen. It's, you know, it's not a, it's not a desk. I was in Vegas once and I told the guy I was from, you know, Sacramento area. I asked him if he had ever visited and he said, why would I visit? And I was like, yeah, good point. (laughs) I like it. And that kind of feeds into another uh, topic you brought up in your article, which is that Sacramento needs MLS more than MLS needs them. Yeah. And I I think we get that vibe in St. Louis as well. You know, our market share is apparently is on TV. The market share is like Sacramento's 20, St. Louis is 21. It's not sexy. It's not terrible. But do they need us? Not really. But the difference between Sacramento and St. Louis is if, if all things are equal, if you're MLS, you still give the expansion a bid to St. Louis just because of the historical aspect. Mm. Um, you know, it's, St. Louis is, you whatever, you at one point, Soccer City, USA, right? There, there's, there's some sort of prestige, or I'm not using the correct word here. There's something... Uh, nice, or I, I don't know. Sorry for my ineloquence, but but <laughs> join the club. <laughs> there's, yeah, right. There's something that would be great about having a team in St. Louis, just you know, for the same reason of why everyone thought it was cool that you know Philadelphia Union named their USL team Bethlehem Steel, right? Yeah, and that 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 people uh, walk around in Fall River Marksman shirts, right? <laughs> and there, there's. The, there's something about the St. Louis market that everyone from a, I can tell you everyone from a national perspective would be like, Hey, we want a team in St. Louis. That'd be cool. So That's if all things are, this, 
What's that? Well, that's interesting because I, I actually wondered if that was like, the, I like to call it the American Idol, you know, syndrome, because <laughs> it's like everyone here talks about that and we tout it about how big the history is here. But I didn't think anyone outside of St. Louis really cared that much about it or thought much of it or even perhaps even knew about it. It's almost like, you know, we're at home and mom thinks we're the best singer on the planet. And then we go to American <laughs> Idol and find out we're terrible because we make the make the show for being so terrible. I kind of got that vibe. So that's interesting to hear that outside of outside of St. Louis. So, well, that's the story of what the 1950 World Cup team is. Right. Half of the people were from St. Louis, half were from Philadelphia. Well, there's there's a team in Philadelphia. There's no team. in Well, there's a team in St. Louis, but they're not in MLS. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sacramento, Sacramento. If you, well, if, you, if you even just look at California's population, like, in 1950? you know, it's basically, yeah, 1950, right? Like, I, I don't know, I, L.A. A lot of history. Hey, Evan, sorry, least, buddy. Inter- I lost you right yeah. after you said L.A., and I'm going to switch my internet connection because I think I have a faster okay. way. So just a second. I'm going to disappear and probably come right back. All right, no worries. Ah, still there? Yeah, I'm here. Awesome. Okay, so that might speed us up. I just went to my hardwire. Um, so I don't know what you said after LA, but maybe you can kind of start that thought over, and I'll just edit it in. Can I say fuck LA? No. Um, yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> you said so something cow, about um, Sacramento population in 1950, yeah. and then yeah. Nah, I mean, like there basically weren't people. Like nobody lived in California. <laughs> you know, until like after World War II, basically. Um, Yeah, at the turn of the century, the 1900s, I think there was something like 100,000 people in LA, you know, and very few people in California. So there's not, you know, California is super... Mexico in, you know, like the 1860s or something. Hmm. It's, It's not... You know, there were 2 million people in Chicago before there were 2 million people in the entire state of California. Crazy. So, so there's, and, you know, so there's not a lot of history. There is some soccer history in Sacramento, but, like, it's mostly failed franchises. And basically the most popular soccer entity ever in Sacramento was an indoor team that played where mm-hmm. the Kings used to play at Arco Arena, and they were fairly successful. The Sacramento Knights, they averaged almost almost 10,000 fans a game and we're pretty popular for a while. But other than that, it's pretty much nothing other than Sac Republic has ever been successful. So, mm. you know, it's, there is a, some, some of something of a soccer tradition, but it's not like the soccer tradition that you would find in St. Louis or pretty much anywhere on the East coast. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it, it, I liked that you brought up, this is something we love to quote in St. Louis, because like you, we had a, an expansion bid that went for it and then fell through. Um, you did the if and when th- uh, Garber quote, which I always love to point to, but um, you know, we can maybe team that up with with having an expansion effort that was looking pretty good. You got that investor and then, and then what happened? Can you explain that situation to people who don't know? Um, 
I don't have the full story <laughs> about what happened, and I'm not going to get the full story until either there's a successful bid or or the current ownership pulls out, and I don't know what a timeline for that looks, but as best as I can understand it, um, and I apologize if any of these details are incorrect, but basically the original Republic ownership group were had money, but they definitely didn't have anywhere close to MLS money. And so the rights to the franchise were bought by a local pharmaceutical um, uh, guy named Kevin Nagel, who essentially took over the team. I'm not really sure what happened yet when the, uh, you know, what really happened with the, there was a whole controversy over the Republic submitting a, a ballot or a book for MLS expansion without the Republic's logo. Um, I have guesses, but it's unfair to speculate. Hmm. But basically, I think when Kevin Nagel originally bought into the team, there were certain parameters towards buying an MLS expansion team that changed shortly thereafter, namely the price of the expansion fee and you know a few other factors. And it became apparent after a certain amount of time and losing a few investors like Meg Whitman that they needed more money essentially. And so it's my understanding that that was the biggest holdup. And now it appears as if they do have the money as Ron Burkle just bought in. Okay. Yeah. So Meg Whitman is kind of what I was referring to is I thought maybe things were looking good with money when you guys had Meg Whitman and then she was lost at some point for some reason. Do you think that had to do with the expansion fee you mentioned, or you just don't know? It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. I've heard rumors, but it would be it wouldn't be useful for me to repeat any of those rumors because I don't have any firsthand sure. information. Yeah, it's just something watching from the outside. Um, I just felt bad for you guys because you kind of felt like <laughs> MLS was looking for. That you know, they started looking at Nashville, started to put together a good plan. Miami was faltering and then maybe pulled it together last second. But it was like they were pulling for them. Sacramento was there. And I almost feel like MLS was like let off the hook when you guys faltered a bit with that, with the deep <laughs> pockets, right? Where they were like, oh, thank God, we don't have to look bad saying no to these guys. Well, it's not us guys because I'm, I'm not a part of the team and I'm not a fan or anything. I have no horse in the race. I. <laughs> You know, if Sacramento gets an MLS team, I think that's great for the city. But if they don't, then, I mean, it, you know, I, it's fine. Like, right. Like yeah. it doesn't affect me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, if I, if I had to guess, I would say that Don Garber and company were, you know, hoping that Sacramento would not be so viable as, as it is. You know, I, I don't, like I, I mentioned in the article, Nobody wants to be in Sacramento, and you know. And I, I say this uh, as more of a perception thing because if you actually go to Sacramento, it's a great city. There's a lot of stuff to do. Um, it's it's a fun place to be, and actually, the people who live in Sacramento hope that nobody else discovers this because people are already moving over from the Bay Area mm-hmm. in order to capitalize on cheaper rent. And people from Sacramento essentially want to keep their great city a secret. But that being said, the perception of of the city is one that, you know, nationally, why would any, anyone want, you know, a team here? I mean, the, the NBA tried to move their team 
out of Sacramento, and that <laughs> was one of them, you know, most successful teams in in terms of attendance in you know the late '90s, early 2000s, and and that's the only professional sports franchise that's top division professional sports franchise that's ever existed in Sacramento. Crazy. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned something there about about you know Sacramento and people wanting to come there. I thought it was interesting, though not surprising, that um, Burkle is not necessarily from Sacramento, even though he has ties. Actually, isn't he one of the ones that saved the the Sacramento NBA team, the Kings? He he was originally in talks to save it, but ended up going to um, a different guy, mm-hmm. uh, Vivek, Vivek Ranadive, but, um, he was involved in the process and he also owns the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And but this is just the, the, uh, the, the next in a long line of history of people owning Sacramento sports franchises and not <laughs> actually being from Sacramento. I mean, the Kings were owned by the, uh, before they were owned by the Maloofs who everyone hates in Sacramento. Now, um, they were owned by a dude who lived in, you know, Los Angeles and then the Maloofs who I believe were lived in Vegas and, you know, maybe commuted or whatever. But a lot of people who have owned franchises in Sacramento um, sort of owned it while living somewhere else. And I think only owned a franchise in Sacramento because that was the only option that they had really. <laughs> Interesting. So I ask because, you know, St. Louis's first MLS, well, not the first one, but the last MLS bid, um, involved, you know, someone living in Boston that was kind of from Kansas City. So no St. Louis ties at all, and that worried us a lot. And then looking at what happened with Columbus and Precourt, um, you know, I imagine that's something people have an eye on these days. But it sounds like he already had ties to Sacramento, and it's probably hard for a place like Sacramento. It's not like St. Louis where, you know, in Sacramento, there's probably a million, you know, there's tons of p- billionaires in California, and probably most of them choose not to live in Sacramento. So... Um, yeah, I imagine that's kind of typical, like you said. Uh, why would you live in Sacramento if you could live in the Bay Area? It's only two hours away. The, mm-hmm. the, the, it's interesting talking to the Republic ownership group about branding the team. They were really at a loss originally because they said, well, what's Sacramento known for? And basically the answer that everyone has is that, well, if you live in Sacramento, you're 90 minutes from San Francisco and you're 90 minutes to Lake Tahoe. It's basically <laughs> living in the middle, right? And so um, that was a huge challenge for them. But yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, I would prefer to live in Sacramento than San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm in the vast minority. Yeah, so even if you had tons of money, you'd still choose to live in Sacramento. Are you saying I don't have tons of money? No, I don't. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's a yeah, pretty yeah, good I, guess. I, well, I, I work for a newspaper. So there that you should, go. That. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I like Sacramento better than San Francisco. And, and you know, it's, it's crazy over there. I think San Francisco is the most expensive city in the country. But it's like, have you ever been to San Francisco? No, I haven't been there either. It's like... You you have these these houses that were built in the early 1900s that were originally like for one family. You know, it would be a nice three story house. You could, you know, four bedrooms, three bathrooms, whatever. And those those original houses are all turned into. They all split them off mm-hmm. by each by each floor, and and they're now one house turned into three apartments where four people live in each apartment. So you have. 12 people living in this tiny area and that's the whole city and you're still 
you're paying, you know, $3,000 a month for your room and it's super overcrowded. There's no public transportation that's worthwhile. And it's just, it's crazy San Francisco. And it's, I live, it's a 70 minute drive for me to go to San Francisco and I maybe go once a year. (laughs) I, I mean, I just, I've been, I've probably in the last four years, I've probably been to Portland more times than I've been to San Francisco. That makes a lot of sense, though. Um, I, you know, I feel the same way. I just remembered I had, I have been to San Francisco, but it, I didn't see any of that stuff. I was like in and out in an evening, um, and went to a Mexican restaurant. That was about it. But, <laughs> um, okay. but, but you know, I lived in California, and it's similar in that way, where you're stuffing as many people into a, a building, even yeah. a closet for a, a room or something. It's ridiculous. And I've seen the words crisis and real estate put together a lot with San Francisco. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's terrible. And even when I lived in New York, I wanted nothing to do with Manhattan. And I think that's similar, you know, I'm from St. Louis and Brooklyn was my speed. It was perfect. So, um, you know, I feel you on that one. Um, but I was curious to, to kind of circle back to the ownership and being out of town. Now that you do have Burkle on board, do you know, is, is there like private public money arguments going on? Is this already a done deal? Do you know how that's going to work as far as the government is concerned? You're talking about in terms of like stadium, private public yeah. money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically Sacramento shot its wad in terms of saving the Kings that just opened the Golden One Center at the beginning of the last NBA season. And that was a huge publicly funded um deal that spent a crap ton of money to essentially save the Kings and they built the stadium's beautiful and it's right in the middle of downtown, like right next to a bunch of freeways. There's good parking. It's a great place, but I mean the public had to pay so much for mm-hmm. it. And after that, um, I can't remember who exactly, if it was, if it was still the, uh, um, former mayor slash piece of shit kevin johnson um or the current mayor daryl steinberg who are both involved in the efforts um to bring an mls franchise to the city um i can't remember which one of them said but there was basically um a statement that there would be no public money for an mls stadium um for sacramento after they spent the money on the kings which is fine though because um the proposed site for the stadium is there's space, you know, the, one mm-hmm. of the Republic's minority owners, uh, is the leading developer for the land in this district called the rail yards, which as of a couple of years ago was the biggest urban infill project in the entire country, which essentially means the largest hole in the center of anyone downtown in the entire country <laughs> exists in Sacramento. So there's the space for it. Um, they have the land and really they have the money now it appears. So I think it's going to be entirely privately funded. And I think that's feasible i think the money is there so and and i think most people in sacramento are against anything publicly funded anyway so as as i am too yeah and so that's another thing in st louis it it failed miserably um because we also have this weird thing where we're split between us between a city and a county and two totally different governments and then the county inside of it has like 80 separate governments and so you know, they didn't even get the county involved and the city is, you know, having trouble paying for all of the things they do because of um, white flight, we call it here. I don't know if that's something <laughs> you've heard of in other cities, but that was a big deal here. 
So, you know, we have this giant city they pay for that they can't afford anymore because there's not as much tax money as there used to be. And they're supposed to foot the bill for MLS for the entire region. So that was very easily voted down. Um, The ownership had the money. They just said that they couldn't make the crunch the numbers to make it work, apparently. But that went away. And now there's a totally privatized, almost totally privatized option on on the table. And so you kind of look at both plans and wonder, are you sure you couldn't have afforded it? (laughs) We're really glad we turned it down now because we have very local ownership that is very much, you know, into St. Louis. They put all their money into St. Louis already anyway, and and they're going to privatize it. So that's a good thing. I guess what else I wondered was because even privatized, they still had to pass a few votes. So I didn't know if that's something you foresee Sacramento having trouble with or dealing with in the near future. No. Cool. I mean, the the entire local government is behind the effort and they've been working, you know, tirelessly. And, you know, and I can't even remember. They've had votes before. I don't remember on what, but uh, or pr- the particulars, but they all passed fairly easily. Good. And it, it's just the city, you know, the city's a, a great supporter of sports and they want to see an MLS uh, team in, in the city and, you know, it basically it's up to MLS whether or not that's going to happen. There really aren't any hurdles to jump over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to round two. I think we've covered our expansion pretty well. Anything else you sure. want to say before we moved on? Um, Anything I hope, we missed? I, I hope expansion never ends. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly what I want to jump to because <laughs> finally, finally um, Garver said, yeah, we may go past 28 teams. We're looking at it like, like they haven't planned on that all along, right? The right. Uh, the false scarcity or the artificial scarcity thing. Uh, so does it matter that St. Louis gets in at 28 or that Sacramento gets in 28? Like, do you feel like the next two are just going to be, you know, Phoenix and whoever misses out? I mean, I, I it's hard to say, but I'm always interested, you know, ever since I read all of the Freakonomics books, right? It's like, mm-hmm. what do people respond to? And that's incentives. And what's what's the incentive for MLS to cap at 28 teams? Especially None. with all the owners. Yeah, right? It's, especially with all the owners, right? What happens whenever an MLS team buys in? Well, like, the owners get a, a new paycheck. So what's the incentive <laughs> for MLS to stop? And in my, I, I don't know what there is, right? I mean, I guess you could argue, you know, there are FIFA guidelines that, stipulate that a top division can only have 20 teams or whatever well there are also fifa guidelines that you have to have pro rel so mls and that <laughs> there are also fifa guidelines that you can only have teams in one country playing in your league right so mls is already breaking a bunch of them and when you have a country the size of the united states and the population of the united states frankly it doesn't really make sense to, to stop yeah uh, uh after 28 teams i mean what especially if 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 any of mls's focus on, is on what happens to the national team don't don't you want the most teams possible and the most markets possible with the most development academies possible to uh mm-hmm. you know in order to better uh reach the entirety of this large country and produce the best players possible that's what that's what i think i just don't see any downside to mls stopping expanding and if you look at the other successful um top division sports leagues in the united states you all of them have at least 30 teams, I believe. I don't know how many teams the NHL has, but um, I know NFL um, has 32 teams, and then I think the NBA and MLB each have 30. 
Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, why would you stop MLS at 28, especially when it's a, you know, it's a, it's a growing sport. Honestly, if I had to guess, and I could be completely wrong, I would bet it ends somewhere around 40. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe at that point there's a, you know, an MLS one and an MLS two or whatever, but um, you know, who knows? But yeah. I, I would, I, I, I don't see any reason to, to stop if, if there are more successful markets out there that are able to support teams. Yeah. I love that you also said, you know, first of all, I, re- I totally agree. And that's kind of the rumblings and the rumors, which usually smoke yeah. fire situation with MLS <laughs> about the number 40. Um, leads me kind of to like talk about USL. I love that you said there's, you don't really have a horse in the race and that you don't care. I kind of feel the same way where um, I would love a stadium for St. Louis, which needs development and drastically just desperate for development in the city it needs to keep growing and um so I'm, I, I want mls for that reason but as far as my soccer team i've been pretty happy with usl with the usl hmm. so i don't know if you feel similarly i know like you said you don't have a horse in the race but if you were to choose one or the other there's a lot of benefits to both both setups right um yeah just in terms of scope and you know it's great to have just to have professional soccer in the area, I think is great, right? Regardless yeah. of whether or not it's USL or MLS, but like, I honestly think, and I sent out a survey, um, just, you know, uh, actually like two days before the Burkle announcement was made because it's sort of Sacramento sort of been in limbo for about two years. And I, so I sent out a survey sort of, um, on Google forms, gauging fan interest. And I asked, you know, if, people would still follow the team if it never went to MLS and it was just in USL. A lot of people said yes. And some people said like they preferred the USL or whatever, but I don't think those people are, were like telling the truth. Like, honestly, I, <laughs> I get like, I don't know. It's a whole, it's a whole issue I used to have with like NASL fans who I would just criticize their league fairly. And then they would say, Oh, you just have an agenda against the NASL. Like, no, like I could not care less about, about your league. If you're happy in USL, that's fine. But when you're, you know, when you're playing in USL, you're not, you don't get to host, you know, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo on David Beckham's Miami team. That doesn't get to happen if you're in the (laughs) USL, right? Yeah. Like maybe you get, you got to host Didier Drogba a few times or whatever, you know, a 39 year old or however old he was, but it's just not the same level. You know, you're not getting international stars who are going to play in Sacramento and you're missing out on a lot of opportunities to essentially have the best soccer experience that you can. And so, yeah, I mean like, you know, I'm sure some people will still support the USL team, but it just wouldn't be the same. And it's unfortunate that that's the case, but that, you know, there's nothing we can really do about that in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, I thought I'd ask you because I don't know anything about it, although people lately, a lot of Phoenix people are starting to feel hard done by not getting any press because St. Louis Mm -hmm. and Sacramento seem to be kind of taking it all up. Do you have any thoughts on Phoenix and and why they've been so quiet in maybe national press? I feel like their expansion effort has been relatively quiet too, but I'm not paying that close attention to them. Yeah, I haven't as much, but I mean, I've never been to Arizona, but you know, a couple of years ago at the Phoenix International Airport in the summer, the planes weren't allowed to take off because it was too hot. It was like 130 degrees or some hmm. BS. And it's like, and I don't know what their stadium plan calls for, but 
I mean, it kind of has to be indoors, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I think this is the hottest city in the U.S. I mean, who wants to play soccer in Phoenix in the summer? <laughs> like, well, you know, I went to Vegas and it was in the yeah. summer during the World Cup. And um, I went at night and it felt great because night in <laughs> Vegas actually feels better than night in St. Louis because of the humidity okay. difference. Sure. But, so maybe there's something to that because I've heard Phoenix people say that's not a thing, but but maybe it is. I've heard people talk about needing a roof in Phoenix. The football stadium has one, right? I think so. Yeah, the yeah. football stadium that, you know, 7,000 people went to a game at yesterday. <laughs> hey, for the, the count US. was officially 9,000, Evan. So we should <laughs> yeah, all right. feel really good about that. <laughs> yeah, and Sac Republic sells out every game. I know. Um, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rough. Um, cool. I just thought I'd ask you about Phoenix in case you heard a little more than me and, you know, the more opinions, the better for me. Um, uh, that's something I actually tried last minute to try to get Kyle Kepner to join us and he sent me oh. to someone else from his, uh, from Firebird Soccer. And so, um, I think I may talk to him next, but I wanted to start with you since again, the, the iron is hot as, as they say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's move on. I think we've covered enough expansion completely i actually want to talk to you a little bit about sacramento because they're building a pretty okay. solid team they had a better year last year than i think some people expected um i'm looking over the roster right now and i'm seeing some people like bjev is back blackwood i thought was under uh um under loved in uh swope park a few other people of course um cameron iwasa is back that's huge uh, Cohen, I thought was incredible last year. What are your thoughts on Sac Republic's team coming up in the next season? Um, it's really hard for me to say, especially because uh, you know we talked about a little bit of this on air or off air. But you know, my uh, the reason why I stopped covering Sac Republic is because I work for NorCal Premier Soccer, and my boss, the president of NorCal Premier Soccer, is Sac Republic's assistant coach. So there is a conflict of interest. <laughs> um, that being said, um, it looks somewhat promising i don't know i mean iwas is i think the all-time leading goal scorer for the republic now and he's a local boy and fan favorite um you mentioned tyler blackwood really good player just you know can't finish hmm. really at least uh you know when i saw him at the republic um i'm going into this with an inherent bias because i know the coaching staff but well i don't know simon elliott that well but i know the assistant coach really well and they're he's one of the smartest people i've ever met not just soccer wise but just in general and so i have confidence in 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 them going forward i think they're going to do a good job but what's interesting is actually one of one of the players they added um uh stefano bonomo mm -hmm. um you know i mentioned to you off air that um the two two of the founders of norcal did uh, founded the league because they or the association because their sons couldn't play each other well like bonomo is my other boss's son at norcal um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, um, I wonder if that had anything to do with the deal. But I mean, he scored at goals at different places. But it's just it's just interesting. So that's funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. And if you know, if, I have no reason to believe that this Republic season is going to be a bad one. I fully expect them to make the playoffs, uh, just as they've done every other year in their history. Yeah, yeah. Even when I thought they were going to have an off year, they always seem to like pull things together and do well to some extent so um, well yeah just just really quick the other thing that's huge is uh todd donovan is really good at his job just finding players and you know the one year that he was a general manager for the nasl you know obviously the off the field stuff for the san francisco deltas didn't end up working out that well mm -hmm. um for a variety of different reasons but that team was good 
And Todd Donovan did a really good job. And I, I would not be surprised to see Todd Donovan as an MLS executive um, in the near future. That's good stuff. I, I love hearing about like the guys behind the scenes because a lot of people will see Mark Dos Santos went to another team yet again and then won the league yet again. That's he always yeah. seems to do. But it's good to hear those other guys and, and follow where they go after that. So um, that's a good one. That's a good one to, to bring up. Thank you. Um, you mentioned NorCal Premier Soccer, and that's something I thought you moved on to a different publication that had someone who owned it that, you know, yeah. you just had a conflict of interest. No, you explained to me off air that this is a soccer association. Tell me, or, you know, for the listeners now, um, tell us what, why that came into being and what you guys are all about, because it's really cool. Sure. So, and I don't want to, you know, necessarily speak for the organization um i'm not its spokesperson and i i simply work there but i there's some of the smartest people i've ever met in soccer work for this organization called norcal premier soccer which is essentially a breakaway um state association so um for years there had been one called you know cysa cal north right and they run you know, they ran their association the same way that other state associations ran their soccer. And um, as I mentioned to you before, um, we had a couple of guys, all people who played at a pretty high level. Um, as I mentioned, my boss, Ben Ziemer, he played in like the fourth division in Germany. He was one of the first American players to try and make it abroad, just what, as was one of our other co-founders named Sean Blakeman, who played second division in Germany. And then um, Stefano Bonomo's father paula those they're the three founders of of norcal and basically they saw that there was this you know huge opportunity of players in northern california who weren't necessarily being served uh, the best that they could right so we have 17 million people in northern california we're about the same size as uh, the netherlands hmm. and there are lots of archaic ways that the soccer leagues around here were being structured. And so these guys said, well, look, we think we can do it better. And they essentially challenged a monopoly that was the, uh, the, you know, the only state association in Northern California and said, Hey, we can do things better. We're going to make our leagues merit based. So we have promotion and relegation actually twice a year in our leagues oh, wow. every, every year. Yeah. So basically you play in a fall league. That's, somewhat regionally based and then the top four teams from that league play go move into what we have called as the champions league in the spring and then you play every other team in your league once and at the end of the season the first place team gets to go to the gets to go to nationals and um the games end up being really competitive because it's it's a merit-based system that we have our have our leagues in and so the best players are are playing against the best other players or at least everybody is playing against somebody who is almost always equal of skill regardless of the area that they actually live in so the way that yeah. cal north runs their leagues it's you play teams from your from the area um in our leagues you might have to go a little bit farther but you're always going to get a competitive game in addition we also wanted to you know sort of put a shot into the arm of uh, the coaching um, education opportunities in the area. So we're bringing over top level clinicians all the time. It's funny. You mentioned Mark Dos Santos. We had him, um, a couple of years ago at a symposium every year we bring over, uh, you know, the director of methodology from Fiorentina to do a course that's only like 50 bucks for, 
our, um, mm. you know, our members. We just brought over La Liga. We've, um, you know, La Liga has a partnership with U.S. Club Soccer in which they're trying to do more coaching education opportunities in the United States. We've hosted both the most of those opportunities and the highest attended of those opportunities. So we just had 175 coaches in Northern California attend a La Liga coaching education course. And then also we have, um, we believe that players should be able to play regardless of, you know, their finances. So most regions have an Olympic development program that costs money. We have a similar program, which I would argue has better levels of coaching in which the best players play regardless of their income. So it's free of cost. We just took over, um, took two teams over to the Gothia cup in Sweden, which is the world, uh, the world's largest youth soccer tournament in um, our girls team uh, finished second after winning it the previous year in the U 17 division, which was the top division. Then our boys, um, we couldn't get our boys into the top division, but we got them into the second division. They were actually playing up in age group and they won as well. So um, we are having success at pretty much every level just by challenging conventional wisdom and trying to um, model our structure based off of how the most successful youth programs around the world model theirs. And I think it's working. And if you, and this is not a biased statement, but if you talk to people involved with youth soccer around the country, which I have, they often use NorCal premier soccer as the um, model for what they would like to do, because I, I would argue that it is the best youth soccer association in the entire country. Hmm. And um, it's something I've learned so much from working here in the last two years. And, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy some of the ideas that we have, but if then if you look at the at the national teams and where the players are coming from, a lot of them are play, coming from Northern California. You know, we just had the U seventeen World Cup in Uruguay for the women's, and three of the uh, players on the team were from Northern California, and all of them graduated from our player development program. So it's an exciting uh, time, and it's a really interesting thing. And I suggest you guys or the listeners check it out because there are a lot of really. Um, good ideas that I think the rest of the country can learn from. It's so good. I, I, it really, that needs its own episode. And, and I want to <laughs> follow up with like probably 25 questions after that, but okay. we better leave it there. But I may try to bounce this into a, something we could just post on Twitter so people can listen to just that segment because um, that's something we're going to need to talk to talk about more in the future. So maybe I'll be contacting you, uh, you know, after this season to talk more about that. That's really cool. Sure. Um, Last thing I wanted to mention, because we are running out of time a little bit, going a little bit long, um, is your book. You mentioned that you put out some uh, questionnaires about so you yeah. can kind of help better do have your book, help its content, rather. Um, speaking of eloquence, my mistake there. But um, <laughs> yeah, tell us about your book. You got a working title. You got a final title. How's it going? Look, I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> um, the... Uh, Joke that my editor, Wes Burdine, um, probably most of the people listening to this podcast know who that is, uh, Minnesota guy. The, the joke that he always made is, makes is that if um, if the Republic never end up going to MLS, that we're going to name it Banana Republic. Um, <laughs> you but, have to. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> uh so here's the thing. People have been asking me about about the the book, and to be quite honest, I haven't really worked that much on the book in the last two years because I've been waiting essentially for an ending. And hmm. you know, so I have about right now written I think ten to ten or twelve chapters. Right, um, I just printed out a rough draft. Actually, there's it's like two hundred pages. Hmm. 
uh, right now. And after rereading them, I would say that probably about half the chapters would be, if we wanted to publish the book tomorrow, about half of it is ready. Right. And there's a lot of stuff in there, a lot of really good stories that is, are, they're essentially good to go. And I'm, I'm happy with, and I think my editors are happy with, and there's some other stuff that needs to be gone over a few more times, but really the thing is, you know, what's happening with the Republic and, you know, is there an ending, you know, is that coming anytime soon? And that's what I've been waiting for. But, um, you know, I talked with my editors recently and what we decided to do is just sort of, you know, move forward and, and, and probably two or three more chapters um, need to be written. And then once I do that, I'll, you know, go backwards among what I already have and see how it fits in. And I think, um, pretty soon I should have something that would resemble an actual final draft And the idea would be uh, maybe in the next year or so we can release a first edition of the book. And then if, and or when Sacramento does get an expansion, uh, an expansion announcement, then go back and write that part of it and release it as a second edition, because I'm not going to get that story um, until after it happens. Cause I, I'm confident. I know Kevin Nagel, and um, I've been talking with him recently over the last mm-hmm. couple of months, and I'm confident that I will get that story, but that it's not going to happen until there's a decision made on MLS one way or another. So right now I'm just, there's a lot of good stuff in it, and I'm moving forward on trying to get something out soon, but I don't think we'll have the full story until either you know Sacramento gets into MLS or the expansion um, bid uh, sort of fizzles, which, hmm. you know, who's to say what will happen or what won't. But, um, you know, I'm excited that sometime in the near future, uh, the story of the origins of Sac Republic is going to be told. And um, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that people are going to enjoy the book regardless of what the ending is. Yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't have to end happy for you to sell books. So that's that's one maybe good side. I don't know if there is well, a good not, side to it. I don't care really about selling books. Honestly, I did this project. I have no idea how much money I'm going to make, if I'm going to make any money or whatever, but I'm doing it just because it's something I wanted, I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I don't really care if it sells 10 copies. I just wanted to there's something I wanted to accomplish in my life and I want to do people right by the story that I, that I tell. So it's more important to me and our, my editor talked about this. It's more important, important to me that we tell a good story and tell the story correctly. than um, it sells any copy. Well, of course they're a publishing company, so they'd like to sell some copies, but I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I think, uh, I think all of us in this soccer podcasting lower league world can uh, relate to that, that thought process yeah. for sure. sure. So, um, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I love your writing, so I do hope uh, that does come out and uh, I will definitely get a copy. Oh, and, um, I do want to say, we're going to cut it off there, but I do want to say, if you want to find Evan Reem, he's on tw- Twitter at Evan R E A M. Um, and also his stories on davisenterprise.com that I thought was really cool. He continues to write there and definitely check out NorCal's uh, Premier Soccer. That's really cool stuff. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for having me, Phil. I appreciate it. And I haven't done a podcast in a really long time, but I guess, you know, I should, I've announced it on Twitter, but I will actually be starting back up a podcast in the next couple of months and I have no details that I can share about that. So, <laughs> Is it <laughs> soccer soon. related at all? 
Okay, okay, there's a detail. Yes, it's soccer related. There We've we already lined up about uh, 12 guests. I'm going to be announcing stuff soon, but um, I'm doing it with a, another guy who's pretty big in uh, local soccer and uh, that people around the area will know. It'll have sort of a, a NorCal um, focus to it, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting back in the podcasting world because I think it's been you know, over a year since I've been on one and it's been multiple years since I used to host uh host one with abram chamberlain back in the day so <laughs> that'll be yeah. good that'll be good you'll have to rope wes uh your editor wes into one of those it'll just be hilarious <laughs> it's gotta be right <laughs> maybe that guy that guy is something else i, I, I wonder a, he's if he's hard to get to focus because he's all over the place on twitter that's the only way i know him but <laughs> yeah, he's a really good guy and he's he's hilarious and, yeah. uh, I, I just he's Whenever, whenever I have a conversation with him, I, I immediately know that I'm not the smartest person in the conversation. I'll say, I'll say that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, man. We'll cut it off there. Thanks again for uh, talking yeah. to me today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Evan Ream for joining me for that um he's been around for a while and um i love his writing i think he's a knowledgeable guy about soccer you know doesn't doesn't necessarily uh destroy everyone with hot takes which is something i i enjoy actually so um he's a good follow on twitter if you especially if you guys want to keep up with the sacra- sacramento business and expansion um definitely follow him on top of that all the norcal soccer stuff he was talking about it's another awesome topic that again we'll have to uh, talk about soon um, just want to say also thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to have more uh, St. Louis FC talk and episodes coming up. And so if you want to follow this MLS team, I suggest you start getting in now with the USL team uh, because it's going to build out of that. We might even keep the same coach. Who knows? So uh, get in now while you can, and this is a good place to get the knowledge. Thanks for listening.